1: Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the return of the show. My name is Abraham, and with me is my co-host Ben. And today we're talking about ch- 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 chainsaw man. Ah. And uh, as a quick reminder
2: to everyone, if you um are not subscribed and you have seen our videos before, first of all, very bad of you. You should be subscribed. And also, if you do subscribe, then you significantly lose the chance of seeing your brother die in a random storm caused by some insanely powerful entity beyond
1: your comprehension back to you abraham wait so you lose the chance to see that if you subscribe
2: yeah no you the, like danger of no brother it's gone i used a lot of negatives in there because i didn't write it well on the copy <laughs> it was a, it was a double <laughs> negative
1: hey so if you subscribe your brother will die so you're no, not you incentive.
2: subscribe your brother will be safe <laughs> It's a positive thing, but it's also a
1: threat. How about that backstory, though? Uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that in, in time, <laughs> obviously. There's a lot to discuss in this episode. Uh, episode five called Gun Devil. Really good episode. We got confirmation of the Gun Devil. Uh, we got Aki's backstory. We got other things that we'll talk about in a second. But first, a quick fun fact for you, Ben, and potentially people in the audience who may not have caught this. I actually just caught it this week when I was watching the intro. You know the ending when Denji and Power are dancing? Yes. So if you notice, Aki at the end turns to the camera, which is us, the audience, and he does his little like symbol. Last week, we learned that that symbol that he does conjures the fox devil that he has a contract with and destroys anything in that area that it lines up with. Oh, so basically the ending of the theme song is Aki seeing these two fucking idiots dancing and him looking at us, the audience and going, I'm out, peace, and then kills himself along with Denji and power. <laughs> <laughs> Damn.
2: Okay. I didn't. So I thought you're going with another fun fact on the uh, opening theme. The opening theme is like actually chalked. Full of references to like a ton of american films
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's that was a common one because i saw that a bunch on uh, on twitter like the first week i saw big lebowski you know um uh,
2: right re- there's a ton of reservoir dogs in there yeah
1: i would not uh i i definitely want to give some interesting and unique fun facts yeah <laughs> fun fact aki hates he-, he does not is not their friend he hates them so much i
2: i that felt very clearly established this episode on another note it meant nothing the boob touch i i i i will say i like first of all we got it at the beginning of this episode we called it last episode they were going to open up and he was we were finally going to see animated fondling some boobies i will say I saw an outcry of people on like Twitter and other places being like they didn't show Power's feet because apparently in the like frame that it ended on in the last uh in
1: the last episode it was also a foot shot yeah the manga they show i saw that on twitter as well the outcry from anime fans (laughs) everyone was really upset that the
2: feet weren't there and like we got like a slight foot shot this episode which i'm like
1: cool i I guess cool (laughs) yeah not not a feet guy but good for you no you don't understand it's it's accurate adaptations that they're looking for it has nothing to do (laughs) uh no we know we know exactly what you guys are are really looking for but that scene it played out pretty much exactly how we predicted that he would get to do it and then would pretty much go (laughs) that's it i think i made a joke about that that he would literally touch him and be like is that it is like is it meaningless and that's literally what he said he was having
2: an existential crisis because shocker he touched boobs and they weren't the most
1: amazing thing in the his entire life and it's because in a later scene Makima explains that, you know, what aids in the enjoyment of sex is a connection with the person that you're with, the intimacy and, you know, the relationship. And you and I were having a discussion on the meaning of that scene before we were talking.
2: I I will say I I do agree that the meaning of that scene is there. First of all, there's a lot going on there. Uh, I will say that the scene is in and of itself very Corny in the fact that the framing is extremely sexual. There's a lot of moments where it's like, ah, like she is extremely up close with him. She's kneeling down on his crotch at one point after he falls over. And there is a like, I'm going to have you touch my boob. But at the same time, what she is doing in that scene for me is a lot more of a sort of power play and a larger. Sort of manipulation slash teaching moment, because again, one of the things that we have to remember about Denji is that this this man is emotionally stunted so bad. He has no idea how intimacy works like he thought that touching a boob was the big thing. He didn't realize that what he actually does want is some sort of emotional connection. And uh, some sort of affection, because if you if your only exposure to this kind of stuff is porn, you're not going to understand the greater implications of like what makes these things well. And at this point, Makima is fully wielding that power above him.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think the disagreement where you and I were coming from, and I wouldn't even call it disagreement. Uh, It's just maybe like a matter of like how we how we kind of like approach like the way that we're talking about it. My first word for that scene would not be horny. I think that the opening scene very much so. Because because there was no emotions attached to it, it was just about the physicality of that scene. Whereas with this, it's because of the framing and because of the words that Makima's saying that for me, the first word that I would use to describe that would be intimate. You know, cuz she's saying like, you know, you need to know how long their fingers are, are their palms cold, uh, feeling like how big and small their ears are, like caressing their cheek, that kind of stuff for me, and I I still think that there is a sexual charge to the scene, of course. I I don't think that, you know, obviously it's, it's clear that that's what she's doing, but the purpose of it, I don't think was just to have sex and have it be sex. Whereas the first one was, I think, I think it was more of an attempt from the, from the writers and the director that primarily, um, just because this is an adaptation and I'm not sure how much of this is in the manga. I do think that this is something explicit on the director's part to really show what is lacking when Denji is talking about sex, the sex that he wants, the feelings that he wants. It's the intimacy. It's the feeling of closeness with another person not just physically but emotionally and that's why i would use that word intimacy before i would use horny though horny it is
2: i would agree that it is both intimate and horny i think for me this is the this is the kind of horny that you would see in a well written light novel that's about to turn into smut like this is yeah, yeah. like the, the the line between smut and like straight up pornography is kind of like where the scene leans, and like I, I haven't done a ton of research on the mangeki on this, but I would not be surprised if they were a, um, a if they were a smut artist of some sorts uh, in the like doujinshi world before. I doing will say this. that the
1: the adaptation is a lot more pristine than the manga. The manga, I actually, I went back and I read a couple of the first few chapters, and it's very simply drawn. There's not a ton of shading. It's not very heavily detailed. Um, It might be later on, but I mean, I don't know. Definitely their MAPPA is definitely doing a lot of the legwork to make this adaptation look good.
2: Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And also like MAPPA has um, as much shit as everyone gave them for Attack on Titan the final season when it first premiered. Like their their animation quality is extremely good with their recent work. I am a big fan of what they've been doing with this. The show has been incredibly cinematic. Um, for me though, the like main piece of this is like, and the most interesting parts of the scene are, is not just the sexual element of it, but also the fact that Makima is actively wielding her power in order to get something that she wants out of Denji. Because the scene opens up with Denji seeming defeated and deflated and not motivated to do anything. And then outwardly voicing that he's just like, I wanted to do a sexual thing and it wasn't very good. And now I want to die. Like, that's essentially where it opens. So she immediately goes in like, ah,
1: I need to move
2: the goalpost.
1: Yeah, I need to keep this guy happy. I think she like she wants to see him happy for some reason, but like it's not like I don't think it's she wants to see him happy for his sake. She wants to see no. him motivate. Yeah, that's a better way to. Yeah. yeah,
2: she wants to see a worker who is going to keep doing their job. And uh, that's where this becomes extremely problematic. Yeah, because it's
1: your boss. It, I mean, we've already talked about this a lot. Denji, you know, flirting with power was still pretty, like, you know, on its surface, still fucked up because, you know, it's a coworker that you're basically hitting on. This, even more so, because now. You know, Makima's not only your boss, but the person who is in control of your life. Yes. So it is a much, much darker arrangement than Denji is aware of. Unfortunately, the way that
2: I have to look at this is like Denji has like multiple areas where he has way less of a power dynamic than other people, which is honestly the reason why I think his relationship with power is actually the most even so you can have a lot of opinions about like uh with a co-worker or something but the fact is like that's how a lot of people meet each other in legitimate romantic relationships is you work with each other
1: it wasn't the relationship that i was questioning just to clarify it wasn't that it was more so just the way that he was talking to her but oh. you're, you are right about that
2: <laughs> yeah and here's the thing as long as you guys are like equal on the totem pole That's fine. As long as there's no power dynamic between the two people that are involved with each other, that's totally okay. But in a weird way, Denji, unfortunately, and power to the same extent because they're so unfamiliar with how the world works because of their different circumstances, one being a devil, the other just being fucking Denji. He essentially has the same sort of sexual literacy as like a teenager who just does not understand things like, power dynamics, and can easily be taken advantage of. So again, that's a very dark turn on that, but that's one of the reasons why for me, Makima is such a shady character is because she knows what she's doing in
1: this. Yeah, because she pretty much flips that entire conversation. She gets Denji right to the edge of where she needs him to be only for her to turn it around and literally say in the next breath, Denji, I want you to do something for me. Yes. And then she arranges this deal where if Denji kills the gun devil, Makima will let Denji do anything. Like any wish that Denji has, Makima will fulfill. And of course, Denji is motivated only by, well, no, I wouldn't say only by sex. I don't think no, that. I think it's, it's affection. Yes, because I think he, I think he has affections and feelings for Makima as well, and that's what Makima is exploiting. Not just his desire for sex, which there is that in that moment specifically. It is the, it is the intimacy that he craves. Though later, it a tongue kiss is enough to get him to, to to want to <laughs> find, you, you know.
2: Well, uh, again, Denji's very simple. He is a, um, I I don't think we get an age for him. He's probably early 20s, if I had to make an assumption. Like, maybe because Japan, he might be, like, somewhere between 17 to 19 at the
1: earliest. He's definitely a juvenile. He's definitely, like, late teens, early 20s.
2: Like, he's somewhere within then. Unfortunately, the show doesn't give us a real age range. But also the show does definitely want to code him as at least a teenager as far as like what his sexual awareness is. That being said, his main thing is always going to be uh, I saw someone state this previously that he's actually extremely empathetic. And the fact that Makima saved him in his eyes is the whole reason why we have seen him in the previous episodes completely just fawning over her. And she's been in, like, in a back seat up until this moment.
1: Well, yeah, because Makima was the first person to give him a hug. Makima's the first person who treated him. him with, to defend him, to treat him with any sort of dignity, to buy him a meal, to give him clothing, you know? Like, he has been starved for any kind of emotional connection. And, I mean, trauma bonds are real. If you go your whole life without having anybody to care for you besides your pet, the first human that gives you a wink of affection, you'll take it. Yeah. Which is speaking to the abusive relationship that I think we were talking about as early as episode three, really.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, this and this goes into the main sort of thematic element that we talked about last episode with the transactional relationships that are going on because this show very clearly with the magic system wants us to think about the relationships that someone might cut with the devil. But at the same time, It is also tinging his own interpersonal, romantic, and sexual relationships at the same time. So uh, this is going to be an ongoing theme. We were able to figure out what was going on with this show quickly as far as its messaging is concerned. Now, the question of as the show goes on, will it continue this? I think every
1: single woman we have met has been sexualized so far. So... Not Cobenny. Oh, you're right! And even what's her, uh, even, um... Even Jimeno, the woman with the eye patch, seems more of a femme fatale type character, where she is wielding her own sexuality, if that makes sense. It's still, like, it's, it's still involving it, but again, I don't think that that's the same as...
2: Uh, I, I, I disagree, because the, if we're talking about the history of the femme fatale, the femme fatale kind of stems from the idea that women can't be powerful unless they are wielding their sex, And it was the essentially the only time that you would see powerful women were either they were extremely old and thus you wouldn't even think to sexualize them, or young, powerful, and sexy, and they were specifically wielding their sex in order to get things done.
1: Well, yeah, I think that that's so true. I think that the one thing that the two things that differentiate this character, Jimeno, the Eye Patch Woman, is just the the outfits that all the characters are wearing. I'm glad everyone's just wearing like very dull, boring suit and ties, as opposed to very like over the top, hypersexual outfits oh, that absolutely. don't make sense. And then the second thing, obviously, like that new power that she demonstrated with the with the deal with the ghost devil, that she's pretty much on. She's even more powerful than power. It's because yes. she was able to quickly choke them out. Um, but I do hear what you're saying. The fact that they are using he- sex uh, and and you know their own gender and weaponizing that. And every character seems to be doing, every female character seems to be doing that. Uh it, an odd choice to say the least.
2: It it's it goes along with what my earlier concerns about the show were going to be. That being said, we haven't hit a point where I'm like this is inherently heinous. I will say that this is definitely um problematic, you could say, but I'm not at the point where I'm like this is like perpetuating like rape culture or anything like that this is to me this is a lot more of a deconstruction than it is anything else
1: yeah it seems intentional like they're using it to drive a story home as opposed to just fan service galore
2: yeah exactly which is again i think that's the reason why chainsaw man is shining out and having much more of a it i wouldn't call it a constructive conversation but an actual conversation around this rather than like fire force where the sexualization was just like, okay, we, we don't need this much fan service, guys. This is this is unnecessary. Like, I'm trying to I'm trying to watch something without it feeling borderline pornographic. Let, let's move on.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
1: I can think of nothing less pornographic than talking about the devil that was casually dropped in this episode, and it's the title for this episode, The Gun Devil. Yes. It's confirmed. There is a gun devil, and oh my god, can he do a lot of damage. <laughs> Holy shit. This is our
2: first glimpse at like where we're going to see the story going as far as
1: the fates are concerned. Which is um, obviously city destroying. It was so bad. It looked like someone, like a giant, had dragged their finger through like midtown. Just in 1.2 million people dead in five minutes. How fast must was this thing moving? How big was it? There are so many questions that I have about this creature now, and that that relates to the damage that it has already inflicted, as well as like where has it been because it disappeared after this attack. So the interesting thing. Really, is that it was mentioned that
2: for all intents and purposes, I believe Aki is not supposed to be American. However, we were told that this thing appeared in America. That's where it came from, which obviously, like, hi, mate, let, let's talk about gun violence in America. Of course, it would come from America. But the whole thing is like, as it goes through Aki's backstory, I can't tell if that was a shot from the gun devil or if that was just the gun devil like moving overhead and then causing a horrible storm in its wake.
1: I think that's honestly more terrifying because we don't know what this thing looks like or how it uses its power to inflict this damage. We are just kind of left to the imagination, which I love for a reveal and for, or for a, for a very light reveal of this devil. Yeah. Speaking more onto the, guns in america and how like the gun devil came to be we also got some more stuff ingesting a piece of the gun devil makes other lesser devils stronger so this could have been an explanation for things like the sea cucumber devil in episode two the tomato devil in episode one things that shouldn't normally be scary but were actually threats there was also like a sea mackerel devil it seemed like (laughs) in this episode where they found that piece and they also said that Pieces of a devil's flesh will congregate together and the bigger the piece that you have, the stronger of a connection you'll have to the actual gun devil and you'll able to like carry it around with you like a horcrux and it'll sort of direct you to where another piece of gun flesh is
2: we've seen evidence of of that in the past unless you outright kill the devil its body will sort of start putting itself back together especially if it has blood to drink i i don't know if i can give it to the like sea cucumber devil or any of the others is they all like in the grand scheme of like the bat devil and the uh what what was that other one last episode the leech devil like, th- they were all relatively weak. Meanwhile, like, leeches and bats, like, you might go, ah, some people are maybe a little bit scared of them. Like, ah, they're gross and creepy. But you wouldn't be, like, inherently terrified of a bat just on its own. And those were both horribly powerful, and they didn't, ha- they didn't have any gunflesh. So I don't know if there's, like, a problem with a bunch of uh, them being ramped up from gunflesh. At least
1: in the previous episodes, well, the bat devil and the leech devil—I think their power is appropriate given the fear. Just because bats and leeches aren't scary, but they are off-putting, if that makes sense. Like, yes, people would be like a little bit squeamish of them. Whereas, like tomato devils and sea cucumber devils, and and uh, and sea mackerel devils—those are things that, like, I'm like, how could anybody be afraid of that to the point where they could? actually put up a fight and not just be like a cute little Pochita dog. Yeah. Which uh, again,
2: brings up all the questions about what Pochita is, but (laughs) because he is a chainsaw. People are like a little squeamish around chainsaws like that. That, that is a real thing. Honestly, it, it could explain it, but at the same time, I'm just wondering what the actual power floor for a devil is. And I'm also, because Pochita is a chainsaw devil And was so weak, we kind of have to consider maybe Pochita is something a little bit different that we are going to learn more about later on.
1: It's also possible that, you know, because they said that ingesting another piece of a devil can make another devil stronger. Same thing like the bat devil ingested power and then its wings like suddenly became like extra full. So it's possible that this wasn't like the gun devil that they had ingested. It could have just been like any other seemingly normal scary devil and to what you were saying about pochita maybe pochita lost some of maybe pochita lost some of his devil flesh and that's why because he was injured what if like another devil ripped a chunk out of him and he just had to like reform with the bits that he had left and now he's only at half power
2: you know that i mean that's all validly probable Uh, again that's like these are all parts of the magic system where I'm just like, based off of what we know. Yeah, that
1: that that makes sense. That can work. That could work. We just don't. Yeah, we don't have any definitive answers because we're still dealing with just the gun devil and like what it means for the organization. Characters are already theorizing that they are colluding with each other, which is a scary thought. Oh, I missed that. When they were going to the sea mackerel devil, uh, Kob- uh not Kobeni, Himeno and Aki were fishing through its gut and found a piece of gun flesh. And Jimeno theorizes, was this ingested by the devil or was it given this piece of flesh? Sort of implying that there is, like you said last week, there's precedence for a more organized attempt at devil attacks than we originally thought
2: and we still know so uh, again last episode uh denji's arm was explicitly shot off we heard a gun we heard a gunshot when that happened however we still haven't seen anyone with a gun in the group that could have done that to him uh and it it wasn't it wasn't the previous uh, leech devil it was something else so we do kind of need to figure out what's potentially going on i do think that it makes sense for the story to go in a direction where there is an organization of devils or something i also think that by the time we meet the gun devil they will likely be a fiend only for the reason of like i think that this show wants to be able to personify devils when needed and having all the devils be big bad monsters uh, I don't think will like
1: really serve the story
2: as well as it
1: could. That's accurate given in episode two, when Denji was talking about giving a merciful death to that one devil that he, and, or that one fiend that he and Aki were tasked to go and take care of. I think they are trying to make an effort. And obviously I think it'll speak to the metaphor of, you know, deals with devils and transactional relationships. I think personifying the devils is gonna be important to do that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I we'll see where this goes. Um he should by the time we meet him, he should definitely be in the flesh kind of humanoid-ish.
1: We'll see if he's got a big gun for a face. I feel like that's where it's gonna go. Um I can't take that they did that, they literally just did that in My Hero Academia in the in the latest episode. <laughs> there was a character with a gun for a face, and I'm like is that that's the gun devil. And I'm like, and I could not take it seriously. It was so ridiculous. (laughs) Well, I think art style is also going to be important, but we'll see. Um, I don't, yeah, I I hope, I just hope it's, I hope it's done seriously. (laughs) I,
2: I I also think my hero like is just one of the, like that, that is a show that every now and then will do something so fucking stupid. That it's so difficult to take seriously.
1: It was exactly as you said. It was like the gun barrel for a head, like aiming directly into the camera. It was like hyper realistic. So <laughs> like, like it just looked dumb. It just looked stupid. And I don't think it's my hero. I think that's just the concept. If I'm being real. High key, bad character design. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I, I would laugh though. I would laugh if he was giving a very intense monologue. It's just could you imagine the little gun barrel like moving like a mouth,
2: just like a little like a little wobbly plastic <laughs> yeah. barrel just nom, nom, nom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. He's got a horrible accent that like has a bunch of lip smacking as well, so the animator's gotta like Oh my god do, right.
1: do the whole cone thing. Alright. Well we gotta before we go into our I guess our art direction for the, the gun devil. We, gotta, we really got to talk about the cliffhanger that we were left on for this week. Very, very interesting. They went to a hotel. They found a devil that did not have any piece of gun flesh in him, even though they were seemingly going to find one because they had the, the little Horcrux tracker. And now they are seemingly trapped on the eighth floor.
2: First of all, I, I love non Euclidean horror, so I'm like, yes, excellent. Like to me, like one of the best types of horror is just like you're trapped in a room and no matter where you go, like whether it's the hypercube or um, I think it's room 1408 is another great film that plays with the same concept. There's just so many fucking nutty things that can happen with this kind of thing. I I love this. Um, as far as what devil is concerned. Like, if it can do this, it's not a hotel devil. No, it can't be. (laughs) It's it's not the stairs devil. If it can bend space and time, like, I hope that they're not dealing with, like, some, like, otherworldly
1: concept of a devil. Honestly, what if they're dealing with a space devil? That sounds horrible. Space is a very, very scary is actually
2: very deeply frightening if there are like devils for like existential things then like what does
1: like the like devil of hopelessness or like just base fear mean? the fear devil sounds like the like the four horsemen of the apocalypse like like the disease devil yeah yeah if we're opening up the door for existential fears as opposed to just objects and that's this this just opened up a whole this new channel.
2: Yeah, it, like what if this is the non-Euclidean geometry devil? They're fucked. Like <laughs> th- that's this whole thing. Like they're not getting
1: out of there. It's the Möbius strip devil. <laughs> there is no <laughs> beginning. There is no end. You're just in an infinite loop. And they did they did show a lot of that imagery that associated with infinity in that ending credit sequence. It was all spirals that continued to push in and never end. Yeah, our characters like spinning in mirrors and being reflected infinitely the infinity devil (laughs) i mean a weird hint
2: it could be the spiral devil that's eaten gunflesh and now is like way powered up
1: the spiral devil well like what would you mean like 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 like, imagine
2: if there was a devil that was just like ah, i'm spirals which is like you know weird geometry like they could essentially get powered up to
1: like ah
2: I'm now the infinite loop devil, because that's kind of what yeah. a spiral is adjacent to.
1: Or like a maze, or yeah, like something small, that, that that could totally be it.
2: I do not know. Like, I, to me, I feel like if it's eaten gun flesh, it cannot inherently be a
1: super strong
2: devil, because the question is, is how strong do these things get when they've eaten gun flesh?
1: We, I think it would depend on the original power of the devil, because... Again, I'm just this is based on what I've seen so far. The sea mackerel devil was only like maybe twice the size of a human when it ingested gun flesh whereas the bat devil when it did, when it had ingested power it like grew maybe like 1.5 times size and like had extra wings did some extra shit. So, yeah. I think maybe it's proportional or it's like linear where if you're like at base power two, you go to base power three. You know what I mean?
2: Again, uh, I I will just have to wait and see. This is the start of a new arc. So we're going to obviously get a lot more questions than answers at this moment. I'm just excited for the next episode. Hell
1: yeah, I am too. Let us know if you're excited for the next episode down in the comment section down below, or just hit us up over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash scope productions. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the return of the show. My name is Abraham. That's Ben. And I don't know. I don't know how to end these. I don't know. This is a. You gotta get a uh, get a chainsaw sound effect and program it in your board. Oh yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that for next time. Don't worry. Yeah, there we go. I'll do that for the intro. All right, bye guys.